Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk Live, uh, number 439, recording today, Wednesday, the 2nd of March. Uh, it's a leap year this year, isn't it? So I think everybody got a bit thrown out by the fact there was a 29th of February this year, which is unusual. In fact, I'm sure I saw someone on Facebook had, uh, in fact, Lee Groves, a brilliant programmer, worked a lot with Spike Stent, said that it was his, he got married on the 28th of February, so it's only his second anniversary, but obviously he's been around for four years. Anyway, that's all completely random. Uh, I want to say hello and welcome. This is the podcast that talks about music technology, news of the week, other kind of issues surrounding music technology and that kind of stuff. If you're not sure what this is all about, subscribe and you can see what other stuff we do. We've just published a review of the Korg mini log and there's lots and lots of other good stuff coming along if you're watching this on youtube if you're an mp3 listener um subscribe on itunes i think it is and uh, you'll be able to get this every week as is your want i want to say thank you also to our show sponsor uvi this is the falcon the creative hybrid instrument it's a massive massive instrument do check it out you go to uvi.net forward slash falcon and uh, see for yourself. Really quite amazing instrument. Anyway, welcome to our guests. Oh, and also we'll say hello to the chat room. We managed to get you all going. Thank you for joining us. A nice, fulsome chat room, as I like to say every week, because I think there would be people disappointed if I didn't use that exact phrase. So it's one of my little habits. So that little chuckle there was uh, Mr. Gaz Williams, who's there in his uh, newly uh, reorganised... Well, I've, I saw it last night. I came over last night because I was in Bristol and uh, and I saw your very impressive setup. Gaz Williams, of course, bass player, producer, doing a lot of interesting stuff with tempo mapping and production and all those kind of things. How are you, Gaz? Yeah, really good. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, having lots of fun with that new Melodyne 4 which uh, is another game changer, I think, that Melodyne have created with that incredible, incredible piece of software. I mean, the the sound... So, so in the past, Melodyne was great for all the kind of pitch stuff, and that's how it made its name. But the sound editor now in Melodyne... Four, that this is this is like having not just EQ, but being able to go to adjust the harmonics. Yeah, I did hear uh, uh, um, uh, 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 some impressive um, examples that you played last night. So I'm hoping that we can uh, persuade you to do a little piece on that because it's a really interesting <laughs> new way of working it's in terms of spectral EQ, yeah. if you like. Yeah, because the melody knows what the spectral qualities of each and every note. So if you say, like, let's just increase the fundamental pitch, it'll increase the, you know, by, say, three decibels, then every single note's fundamental frequency. Yeah, not just a... It's like a, a super dynamic EQ, but with spectral analysis, yeah. It's different. It's like, it's like a new level, isn't it? You know, I think it's, it's major. It's, it's a biggie. Anyway, welcome, Gaz. Nice to have you aboard. And, of course, Mr. Richard Hilton from over there in uh, the US of A, where he mans the controls in Noel Rogers' studio uh, on various uh, highfalutin projects, also plays live with Sheik uh, on a regular basis. In fact, joined us last week from uh, early doors in his hotel room in Maui. Uh, if you did make it to the end of the show, you would have caught Richard's little... Uh, um, uh, um, what would I call... What would I call that? Uh... Appearance. That's what I was trying to say. How are you, Rich? I'm good, thank you. I am glad it to hear like that. A, it was like a cameo appearance in the movies. Cameo. Yeah. 
it was nice to see you. I, I, you do seem less tired than perhaps you did at seven o'clock in the morning after a long jet laggy kind um, of fright. Well, I feel good. I feel good. And felt good that day, too. I just was embarrassed because I had forgotten. I'd misjudged the time difference. Well, that's quite all right by me. You're more than, you know, we're always happy to have you aboard. And considering the uh, the what you were up to that weekend, great. So so I'm guessing you're all back. And um, how was your trip back? Because you were, you were talking it was going to be some kind of god-awful layover and, you know, really long... Yeah. We managed to beat the layover by getting on an earlier flight. So uh, in in the uh, layover period, so uh, the, you know it was it was just fine. It was better, <laughs> better than you expected. The flights home were just fine. It's just a long way from Hawaii to where we have to yeah. go. So, oh, the vagaries of international touring and one-off gigs in different continents and on different oceans—amazing, really. Well, this wasn't a one-off. This was the fourth gig in. Uh, of a run where we did three hard ticket gigs on the west coast of the United States before running off to Hawaii to play this corporate thing. Ah, okay. So you're on the roll. You're in the zone, as it were, but just not that time zone. Right, right. (laughs) Well, it was gradual, though, so we had, you know... We went halfway there and then got used to that time zone and then went the rest of the way there. It wasn't too well, bad. Well, there you go. That's, that's all right. A gradual thing. Right. We've got a few yeah. things in this week. Uh, we've got a small panel, um, but uh, we've got some interesting things to talk about. And it means that everybody gets more of a chance to air their views. Uh, sometimes it's nice to break it down to a small elite team, the special force. Anyway, what do you think of this? lost in the music there that's the uh marcine i think it's called uh which is a kind of rhythmic percussion synthesizer and uh, we don't do, we don't normally do lots of ios stuff on this but but it just struck me as a really musical and interesting synthesizer that made me think those are the kind of sounds i want unfortunately i haven't got an ipad that will run that gaz however seems to be holding up one with a copy of the very same upon it <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, what was it, £2.99 or something? Crikey. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a terrific app. It sounds beautiful. It's one of these apps where virtually everything you do on it sounds useful and, and good. I mean, I guess it's because it's got a very specific focus. It, it's. I think that's a, a really a really cool idea. It, it, straight away, it's got a personality and an identity. So, you know. It, 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 yeah, and super. and helped by brilliant, uh, uh, not well, not brilliant. It depends on your musical taste, but a very nice musical demo, which is so often missing from any of these things. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, but as I say, you know, when you play around with it, it really does sound very nice. It's sort of it, it's as it, it is difficult to get a an unpleasant sound out of it. The uh, the arpeggiator and that side of things that it's very simple. Well, I say it's simple. Well, you can do a lot with it, but it's really nice and straightforward to use. Um, I, 
super impressed with this one. I think, uh, you know, again, when you're talking about £2.99, it's, it's, a, it's like a laughable amount of money, really, isn't it? You know, you I don't can't... know why these people aren't charging more in many ways. I mean, there is another app we're going to talk about <sighs> later where, where they are, but it's surprising yeah. that people think... Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's the tyranny of availability and that the, the, the precedence that's been set means yeah. that that sort of tends to happen. I, I did want to ask you, as you've got it, I've been playing with it, what is, what is it that makes it so much more of a percussive synthesizer than just a regular synthesizer? Uh, I think... Well, certainly the controls, um, you know, with controls like hardness. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, two oscillators and a noise uh, and a noise module. Um, they got. I think it's going into some sort of envelope shaper or something. It's got this sustain mode where you can play with, a, like, it's got a color control and it's got like a, this hardness control. Um, oh right, okay. So that I, yeah. I mean, it does sound like things with front end rather than floaty pads. I guess also that yeah. must make it uh, uh, must make uh, it in some way easier because you don't have. What's the polyphony on it? Do you know? Don't know. I mean, I literally downloaded it. Ah, okay, fair enough. About, about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you haven't finished your review yet. Well, that's fair enough. I, I don't uh, know. So, well, uh, what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. It, it, I was just going to say, just in terms of the signal path, and crucially, it flows into a resonator, then you see, and that's the thing which... Ah, uh, yeah, that'll do it. So you have it have sort of impulses. I know, Rich, what do you think? It sounded uh, kind of impressive. I mean, because, you know, we've had such a... a, a in many ways, we've had an embarrassment of riches with new instruments that aren't doing anything particularly new um, around the play. You know, using just a, a similar, you know, the the good old familiar um, subtractive synthesis or whatever. This set, this seemed to have a little bit of something that just a charisma about it. Have you had a ch- chance to check the video? It sounded nice, didn't it? I did. I watched the video and listened to it. It sounded fantastic. I unfortunately didn't get the time to download it and play with it myself, but. Um... Yeah, un- unusual sounds. I guess it's an FM engine, basically. Is that right? Uh, I saw a graphic somewhere towards the end of that video that led me to believe it was. It flashed quickly, but it looked like FM to me. Let's have a look. Uh, basically, what have we got? We got high quality audio, thirty-two bit, clean, blah, blah blah blah, unlimited number of channels, metronome, built-in signal processing, filters and EQ, dynamic stereo panning, mid-side balance. Okay. Ooh, okay. There's a. a and this is uh, Chimatica. I mean, the guy from Chimatica is... Uh, no, that's not Chimatica. What am I talking about? It's the no. wrong thing, isn't it? That's completely yeah, yeah, the wrong yeah. thing. Oops. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, let me just see what Spoiler I... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Let me just find that. Um, so this is Marcine. I thought that was the page I had uh, set up. So that just uh, uncovers my embarrassment. Ice gear instrument. Ice gear. That's it. Gotcha. I, I was just seeing if I could find those bullet points and then uh, unfortunately showed the other ones. Marcin, this is, uh, yeah. Nice. Oh, the interface is very nice, actually. It's very easy to learn. You know, I mean, I literally I've only just got it, but you can get around it very quickly. It's got uh, a, a nice readability to it. And um, yeah, it's clear. It's lovely, actually. It's, uh, it's a well, very a nice little interface. Suit. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Anyway, I mean, it's always, and I guess, because we've got another iPad thing we're going to talk about, but maybe that'll bring up a wider discussion, because it feels like we're transitioning into this area where things are becoming potentially more integrated as for, for, uh, as, as a, for a number of reasons. Anyway, um, I suppose uh, that might be uh, that 
particular topic done because uh, seeing as I don't know anything about it, I'm sure that uh, <laughs> I don't want to uncover my embarrassment. I just wanted to see what you thought. But I think the thing is about it. I guess I guess the thing that really struck me about this more than anything else was what a difference a great music demo makes to the perception of an instrument. Something that has some sort of identity as a, mu- as a music, because after all, these things are musical um, for creating music. So when you hear stuff that's, you know, maybe the thing that you would expect or, you know, just the norm, it's nice to hear something a little bit different. And that really does go a long way into making you want to buy something. And I think that's Mm. something that perhaps could be uh, picked up by a lot of people, although it's not all that easy. I mean, you know, to create beautiful music because it's such a subjective thing, isn't it? It depends on the, the, uh, the ear of the listener. I would say that the quality of those musical presentations to demonstrate new software technologies and new instruments has gone up quite honestly mm. i find that mm. there's quite a lot of good ones yeah and uh these days and not too many like kind of cheesy ones i mm. suppose so i think it's just, it makes it important I, I i'm i guess i'm coming at it more from perhaps the uh point of view of of seeing these things demonstrated at trade shows where you then do, do get a different thing because obviously it has to be done in the moment and it's not necessarily something that you know somebody actually mm-hmm. has to be talented enough to play something compelling rather than the usual noodling which i'm totally guilty of as well i'm sure so yes i suppose so it's an art uh, definitely unto itself and a skill yeah okay right what's the other bit of news oh that's right brian eno he's got a new album coming out the ship it's called uh, which interestingly is, is available later in the month it's not um he hasn't actually got any kind of preview of it which is kind of interesting an interesting approach you can pre-order it it's got four tracks um what the first one is 20 minutes long um and it's got the usual uh eno kind of description of how he's approached it and stuff it's quite interesting i mean there aren't very many kind of heavyweight solo electronic musicians who are releasing stuff you know that we got to look forward to this day and it's kind of good i mean and and i guess listening back to particularly with the passing of bowie and the revisiting of the influence he's had on a lot of these major artists and his electronic works it's kind of it's something to look forward to this well i haven't heard an eno album no. in many years <laughs> but those there's some classic i mean another green world and all of those that, that music for yeah. uh, music for airports and stuff i know guys what do you think Is you will you be pre-ordering Oh yeah, my friend uh, has actually got a production credit on this album, so he's absolutely uh, <laughs> he's jumping wow. into uh, Mr. Peter Chilvers. Ah uh, yes, uh, he um, yeah yeah. So he's been involved with that. Um, so he's been so, yeah. I, I haven't actually heard this one yet, but there is singing on it, isn't there? So, um, but I think I can talk about a little Eno story from a couple of years ago now. Ah um, okay, which, which I, was, I, I was duped. I was duped into into a into a bass session for him um, at his studio a couple of years back. <laughs> duped because I was actually delivering a bass guitar to somebody else and um, who happened to be at the studio. So I got the address, turned up with his bass guitar, and um, brought it in. <laughs> said friend said, "Oh, guys, could you just plug it into the monitors and play it so I can hear what it sounds like?" I did. Sure, sure. Start playing. They put the track into record, and I was doing a session. Wow. And knowing I was, you know, so without even hearing the song, without even knowing, they duped me. So to get me approaching it without 
any pre- any, any preconceptions any preconceptions whatsoever and what made it even harder was there was already not just one baseline but two simultaneous baselines in two different keys going on at the same time <laughs> <laughs> so i'm having to think right <laughs> where am i going to fit in with this <laughs> wow so, um, but then you know i ended up doing a bunch of takes on it and uh and brian toddled off after a while and went off to do something else and um and they'd always stop the track at a particular point but this one time they let the track play through and there was these like these piano chords at the end of the track and i think it was largely improvised but uh, i managed to land every one with the with a really nice harmonizing or you know support i got it all everyone anyway brian came back in and started listening and comping the uh the takes and he works very very fast he has this engineer who's kind of doing the computer thing and they'll listen to a take and just wipe loads of it just grab and then just literally just you know grab anything good and just delete everything else there's you know just wow, really that's got to be uh, how's that as an experience for morale building if you're in the room <laughs> yeah. at the same time but it's going through and he was like picking out all the bits that i definitely wouldn't you know and uh, the nice bits well they were just going i was like oh, but. <laughs> <laughs> anyway it got to the end bit and i was thinking wait for this now you know <laughs> He just like, oh no no, just took all of that. <laughs> so you know, uh, but still, what a thrill! Hey, do you know what I mean? What an unexpected thrill! And uh, yeah, brilliant. It did was, it? Did it did was... did any of it end up in the final thing? Did you did you get did you get anything any notes on there? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure actually. I can't remember actually because there was a whole bunch of stuff I was doing then. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure with that thing, but. Um, yeah, maybe. I should look into that, shouldn't I? <laughs> well, maybe so. Well, anyway, um, yeah. his album is due out, uh, like I say, April. It's on Warp, The Ship, and it's been getting quite a lot of press, so I'll be very interested to hear that. I mean, I like a lot of his sensibilities about it. But uh, there was a couple of things I wanted to quickly mention, actually. Uh, that, well, two things. First thing was Iris 2 won a tech award uh, at the recent NAM uh, Tech Awards. And also Ennio Morricone got an Oscar finally for his music Yay! on the uh, the Hateful Eight. I mean, and the, there was a headline actually. I think it was on the uh, Independent. I don't know if I've got it here actually. That the link, but uh, he scored over five hundred movies, and this is the first time he's. I think he's been nominated a few times with the first Oscar he's won, which is kind of amazing. I know, Rich. That's that's kind of a, a nice feel good thing. I don't know how how old Ennio is. He must be getting on a bit. So it's, it was running out of time to get that award. <laughs> Yes, congratulations. Have you ever had any dealings with the great man? I've never met Brian Eno. Or any Morricone? No, I haven't met him either, ah. actually. Uh, much as I would love to meet him, uh, I haven't. He's supposed to be there's a very some, interesting character. There's some part of me that sees Eno as being like Chauncey Gardner, if you're familiar with the movie Being There. Um, no, I don't know that. That's all, yes. and that's all I've got to say about him. <laughs> I used to be very interested in his music in the seventies, and some of the songs I really like. And I thought it was really cool that he would just kind of like mumble phonetically into a microphone and then write words based on the mumbles that may have absolutely no meaning whatsoever. And oh, okay. that's why, 
That's how you get songs like I'll Come Running to Tie Your Shoes and uh, Babies on Fire and stuff like that. I used to love that stuff when I was younger. Is that, is that the kind of cut-up approach to vocals? Which which actually was interesting because I, I always thought that Bowie had been attributed with this kind of cut-up approach to, to lyrics, but I think it must have been Eno rather than Bowie because Bowie's much more studied and much more kind of, as far as I understand, his approach to, to lyrics is much more kind of traditionally literary, literary. Or maybe I was wrong. I think he took that from uh sorry william burroughs jump, jumping in there ah yes. okay yeah. gotcha the cutting the cutting and tossing it in the air and picking it up in whatever order i mean uh the beatles even claimed to do that with the middle section of for the benefit of mr kite um have a sort of burroughs like approach with these tape pieces where they just basically rather than words threw them in the air picked them up assembled them in whatever order without listening and then ran it as a loop huh interesting I mean, all but, of these um, all of these approaches are, uh, definitely have in, validity if you can apply the discipline, I suppose. In the case of Eno, he would just kind of mumble over the top of the track and then listen to his mumbles and try to extract words that may or may not tell a particular narrative, but sound cool. Gotcha. And that was something about the way he used to write vocals. But I haven't heard anything new from Eno in decades, literally decades. I don't know that much about what he's been doing for the last couple of decades. And, uh, I, you know, I know about certain projects like the music for whatever's projects, like the music for airports, music for gardening, music for whatever. It sounds a bit mysterious. It's a bit like those, uh, see, that, that, just getting close to those titles of CDs you see in gardening centers, which uh, just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> when you press, yeah. this one's relaxing. This one is a seascape. This one is you know music. Yeah, want to watch out with that. Well, but... It's funny. Mm-hmm. I always have to bring. I always have to bring my own music to the massage therapist because that supposedly relaxing stuff starts to drive me nuts after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, while we remember, um, we did mention briefly about the Sonic State Live gig in Bristol on the twenty sixth of March at Salt Cafe. Uh, tickets are now sold out. So. Sold uh, out! So and capacity is limited. So if you were thinking of coming wow. down and uh, just getting in on the Too door, bad. it's probably <laughs> probably not going to work out. And I would hate to be the one to have to turn you away, but because it is a limited capacity. But uh, things are moving on a pace. We're getting quite excited about it. So uh, mm-hmm. hooray all round! Hooray! <laughs> okay, um, I think we'll uh, we'll do our. Um, our ad at this point seems like a good good position to come in because we've got a uh, obviously word from our sponsors. Uh, we're talking. Um, Oops, no, that's that's the picture I want. We're talking Isotope and Ozone 7. Produce rich, full, professional-sounding tracks with the critically acclaimed mastering tools in Ozone and Ozone Advanced. Now, the latest Isotope innovations in Ozone 7 bring modern and vintage processing to the forefront of the music production experience. Updated for Ozone 7, Ozone's highly regarded maximizer features a brand new frequency-specific IRC4 algorithm that delivers transparent mixes with less pumping and distortion. Use it to smooth out an unwieldy mix or tame the kick drum peaks without affecting the vocals. The Dynamic EQ, now in both the advanced and standard versions of Ozone, lives and breathes with your audio, giving you more effective control over your sound without coloring your entire mix. Harness the precision of an equalizer and the musical ballistics of a compressor in one integrated processor. 
Ozone 7, vintage-inspired processing puts nostalgic tone at your fingertips to bring the creative color and character of analog hardware to your digital recordings. Glue your mix together and bring a natural feel to harsh-sounding recordings with the Vintage Limiter. Vintage Tape adds the dimension, warmth, and depth of tape saturation to your masters for a timeless sound that suits your creative vision. Brighten your mix, smooth out heavy low end, and add body with the Pultec modeled Vintage EQ. Right, that's enough. Uh, anyone's money. We want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. Of course, uh, we do have their weekly competition, and we have a winner from last week. Uh, last week, we asked you to tweet the hashtag. Uh, what was it? It was just sounds better and Ozone Seven um, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And we have a winner in the form of somebody called Rod Castro, who goes by the Twitter handle of at Quadrod, which is uh, Q U A D. Rod. So if you want to get in touch at Quadrod, uh, we will be able to uh, deposit via the Isotope Ferry a copy of Ozone 7 into your account. So thank you very much for entering. And of course, wouldn't be the same without another competition this week and Isotope are of course giving away another copy of Ozone 7 this week uh, we're asking you to tweet the hashtag right this is a bit of a mouthful essential audio tools that's all one word essential audio tools and the hashtag Ozone 7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc and please do uh, put some comments in there in fact when we had Isotope down they told us that they've had all around the office in the cafe area and the seating area they've got these big screens which uh basically just send up uh, random um, social media stuff. So you, if you write a message in there, it might well be seen by someone at Isotope having lunch or having a coffee at a certain break because it all just kind of uh, scrolls through. And they said it's really good because it gives them immediate feedback. And, you know, it's always, I suppose, it also means that uh, they get to see just how brilliant you lot are at uh, entering competitions and, and spreading the word. So once again, we thank Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. It's been great having them on so far, and we hope it may continue for much longer. Right. So the next thing um, that was kind of interesting, there's a couple of things here. Um, I saw this, uh, this came up, this was the um, the MIDI thing, which is a kind of Bluetooth MIDI um, adapter, which you plug into, in and out of the port. It's running on ki uh, Kickstart, which is an interesting, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. Then I remembered also there was a similar thing from Yamaha, which is the Bluetooth uh, transmitter, and then it's like a loopback cable that you plug in that gives you essentially um, Bluetooth access to MIDI hardware, so you can then access it via iOS and OS X. I don't know whether that works on the PC or not, but this could be kind of interesting. What do you think, guys? I mean, I, I did hear, and this is some, you know, obviously you might want more than one, and apparently it is possible to, uh, to have more, uh, up to seven Bluetooth devices attached to, uh, um, you know, to OS, iOS or OS X, and I didn't know this. Were you aware? Uh, no, I'm not sure really, because it's all, I well, it's all very new, isn't it, for it to be sort of embedded as a, uh, you know, operating system level. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of this Bluetooth MIDI now in lots of devices. It's almost becoming a standard. Well, and it certainly will be a standard before before long. Virtually every piece of musical equipment will probably have it, you know, or that or will be marked down for not having it. I think it will be... All right, you see, you're embedded, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's only, you know, it's only... We're very close to that that point in time, I'm sure, uh, especially with the standardization of things. Uh, does Windows 10, with all its, 
inbuilt MIDI? Does that support MIDI? Well, that's a good question. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Windows mm-hmm. 10. Let me have a look. Win- Windows. No, it's not. It's One, Windows it's Pete, 10. Pete Brown. Bluetooth MIDI. Let's have a look. I'll just have mm. a quick look. Because uh, uh, that, co- that chord bomb that we were looking at, that's on Kickstarter as well. The court, the the really cool looking chord sequencer thing that had Bluetooth MIDI in it, as you know. So that made me think at the time, wow, we're going to see this on a regular basis. Um, yeah, which is a great thing. I mean, of course, I'm not sure. I think that um, Windows 10 does have uh, RTP MIDI access. I think, which is the network protocol rather than the Bluetooth. But I'm not sure about that. I know, Rich, you can. You, I wonder if do you think this would ever be robust enough for kind of live? I mean, it gets a bit scary when you're transmitting things through the air in uh, large RF interfered sort of spaces. <laughs> That's a good question, uh, among many good questions that I have. <clears throat> the funny thing is, I've been wanting one of these things for the, for years because I have a particularly finicky MIDI run at the studio over at Niles, and um, it tends to have to go through the whole perimeter of the room to get from where it's beginning to where it needs to end up. And for the longest time, I was looking and looking and looking for a decent wireless MIDI solution, and... I finally ran new cable last week, got it all working, or two weeks ago, and now here it is. Two different MIDI solutions in the same <laughs> podcast, and I, and I don't need them anymore. But I do have the following question. Does a class-compliant device that is sending MIDI via one of these things show up in Apple's audio MIDI setup as a class-compliant device? Hmm, that's a good question. With all of its features, with all of everything that it would normally send down a wire available to you, that's that's really what I want to know. I don't know. And then again, how I it feels. So. But I have I have a, t- a tough time with Bluetooth in that room too for some reason, just because I guess I don't know it's in a closet the the computer. But even if I try to use a Bluetooth keyboard in that room, it's kind of finicky. So yeah. I'm sure these are wonderful things. And like I said, I've been praying for them for years, and I'm thrilled to find them now that I don't need them anymore. But um, (laughs) it's weird to me that I I just would like to know the ins and outs of things like class compliance. And There's something really wonderful about plugging a device in and have your computer recognize it immediately with no drivers, no Yeah, 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 absolutely. I suppose that the other thing that you could use is MIDI over network and have something enabled at the other end, which would like the iConnectivity 2 Plus or something like that, which gives you... Uh, no, that doesn't. It would be the 4. That, I, I'm sure... I think Bohm's MIDI Translator, which is the Bohm box, which is coming out or is out now, you can plug an Ethernet cable in and have it relay to actual physical MIDI ports so you could run a very long cable length and then have that show up as uh, the network MIDI. And that shows up um, in OSX as a port. As soon as you create a session, it's there in pretty much, well, certainly in Logic. I would imagine it would be in most other OSX-based DAWs. Gaz, you look like you're itching to come in there. <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't actually. Um, oh, just just, just <laughs> adjusting yourself. Just, just itching. <laughs> um, um, no, no, carry on. Well, so I mean, but I mean, I think they're about 30, 40 quid. They're not terribly expensive. And I think the other one that we looked at uh, was the, uh, as I say, the um, the MIDI thing, which seems like it might, I don't know what this has that is 
any better than what Yamaha have already released. And the Kickstarter campaign does seem rather underfunded. Um, so I'm guessing maybe people are thinking the same thing. But if it's if it's if you want to check it out, um, you can find it on Kickstarter. I'll put the links in the show notes. And uh, it may be just the thing for you um, when they finish making it. Okay, um, let's see what's next. Ah, this was another cool. This was the high-speed audio board, which is what I'm trying to look at here. Uh, now, this is called the... Uh, well, I'll play a little bit of this. This is based on a Beagle board, which is kind of like... Oops. It's supposed to plug in. Excuse me. Doesn't seem to want to. Okay, brilliant. 24,000 pounds? Hold on a minute. My audio routing has gone all a bit skewy. Oh, that's annoying. Uh, no idea. Pass. I, I'll explain. So the idea of this is based on a beagle ball, which is kind of like a super duper Raspberry Pi, and this thing is um, absolutely uh, nailed for real time processing, like one millisecond processing to events to audio output, which is really damn fast. And it's got sixteen audio. Uh, IO on analog and 16 on digital as well so you can really kind of fire it up and you program it you know obviously it requires a, a, a programming interface and then you can write it to the ROM and then it will be what it needs to be and it just struck me as a very uh, um, interesting new development and obviously that I guess what they're looking for really here is to create something that will make people ad adopt it. I mean, I guess if you've got a decent SDK for this and you could persuade various people to use that rather than writing custom hardware, I mean, that gives you a lot of grunt and IO. I mean, and, and as is seems to be... Um uh, supported by the fact that they were looking for five grand and they've got 25 grand. This is pounds, so it's a lot of money and they've still got 30 days to go. So it looks like there are quite a lot of people who are interested in this stuff. And I look, I'm just trying to think here. There's 50 backers. I think it's only... Um, what do they get? 99 bucks. I mean, there's some big, big rewards here. It just strikes me as a, a num another... Um, interface because i mean up to now most of this stuff has been handled by very specific dsp chips you know like you've got the sharks and then it used to be i can't remember the motorolas that used to be in the Pro Tool stuff so you know there there are these competing hardware platforms but then you need to write you know a big bit of hardware around it to have the interfacing and it just it could be a pretty cool new system assuming there's somebody else perhaps who's going to write the front end for it and it doesn't have to be done in-house like you know because as we know, not many of us has got time to experiment with coding. I, mean, I think they're pushing it at installations and things like that. But I could imagine, you know, if somebody sold you a package and go just squirt this into it, it becomes a 16 IO mixing desk or whatever it may be. It looks pretty interesting. And it's, what was it? It's yeah. 50, 60 quid. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? We've been seeing these things over the last few years, just getting more and more functionality and, and to the point now where, something like this has got huge potential hasn't it i mean for just i love the idea of of them being embedded into new instruments really people making kind of durable synthesizers samplers or whatever you know and having something I, I think it's really interesting because it's got that 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 focused design idea you know which is that's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, but you're right, though. It's 
what what is it what's the what is the i didn't look at this i'm sorry nick what is it is it running uh like a linux it is you can drop in uh pure data patches which are there right. are quite a lot of things which are available there I, I did have a go at trying to run pure data on a um a raspberry pi but i could just never quite get it working but there mm. are you know so there are things that are kind of pre-compiled that you could drop in mm. there or you could write it you know mm. from the nuts and bolts if you've got the time but it's yeah. the sort of thing that, you know, you, you might be able to find, well, if this hardware would do the job and you can find somewhere who could write you something, you might, you know, be able mm. to do it quite quickly. You might end up with something very bespoke that suits mm. your needs quite quickly and quite um, cheaply, but I suppose. It, you know, it seems to me that granular synthesizers, you know, it's like the, the Bastel do the micro granny, which is pretty cool, but sort of little dedicated granular granular sampler with a little recorder little little box this could be the ticket for for making one of them mm. i think you know well it's almost it could be sort of ios app made physical couldn't it i don't know i know rich i mean i'm i'm guessing like many of us you know there's there's very little time in the day to tinker with this kind of stuff but i mean as a sort of a starting block for maybe somebody else to do it and you to buy the end results it's it's encouraging to see that that sort of uh, capability is a is is possible at that sort of cost. I mean, that's incredibly cheap. Absolutely. And I can't even begin to envision all the possible applications, but I liked, first of all, all of Gaz's commentary about it. And um, the notion that these could be used in fixed installation, purpose-driven uh, entertainment venues, such as theme parks or places where you need a lot of redundant computing spread across a great distance in order to facilitate like those kinds. It, it just strikes me as... A, uh, a product that's rife with possibility, and many of which I'm sure I can't even see. Yeah, sorry, I was just trying to patch the uh, real time. This is this is where I could do with a Bella that I could just recall a patch. Just trying to patch those uh, computer inputs back into the. Uh, uh, so, oops, back into the uh, Sorry, mixer. I didn't have more to say about it. No, uh, it, that's a, yeah. <laughs> I need to have a sign and I hold something up and just go, please, can you just flannel for a, a couple talking. more minutes? Yeah, Keep talking, for God's sake. Uh, normally <laughs> normally this isn't such an issue, but I with a smaller it. panel, you know, things are a lot tighter, isn't it? So uh, I don't know what the what people think about this. I mean, the chat room, obviously, we got, uh, like I say, we've got a pretty fulsome chat room. What they, what, how they feel, gosh, that's an enormous amount of people we got in there. Blimey. Folks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> what people think about this kind of notion but you know for me i'm constantly um tinkering i've got like a, a a raspberry pi sat there that i've got these little projects that i'm kind of trying to make progress on and progress on and progress on and it's nice to have something like that that maybe you could kind of turn to for the mm. occasional while ago oh, let's try this let's try that but the idea that once you've burnt the 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 uh pure data patch or the custom code into it that's mm. what it is essentially you know you just mm. put it on a, an sd yeah. card and we've talked about this before and we've seen it before haven't we there are there are quite a lot of euro rack modules that are um potentially can be um whatever you want them to be when you program if i got a delivery of a couple today let me see we've got the um the patch blocks yeah i was thinking patch blocks i got one of those i got the patch blocks let's see i've got a 
this is the patch block euro route which is a similar concept where you have a an editor environment which is kind of i guess it's a bit like pure data i haven't had a chance to, to check that out let me just open this up and see with here it's a real-time unboxing folks really fascinating <laughs> so this is the, the patch blocks which we've seen which are standalone this is a euro version that gives you more io and more and, and you program it via usb and then you get a couple of controllers and a, a bit of cv and i don't know what that's going to be yet it could might be a synth or it might be an lfo i'm going to experiment with that i'm going to do a review but it's a similar concept and it's just about how I, I guess it's a bit like reactor we all sort of like the idea of this amazing kind of potential but when it comes down to it well, few of us have got much time or patience to sit there and create things for ourselves we're more likely to load patches and, and as we know you know that that's been used to develop quite a lot of the um, some of the native instruments kind of synthesizers and what have you so i suppose you know that's the idea i like the idea of but i suppose in actuality it's less likely to um to do but the kickstarter still running just get over to kickstarter uh i say 30 days to go so if you want to pick one up um i don't know what they've got left they've got a bunch of stuff left but uh i made the terrible mistake of saying that um the last kickstarter uh, the, the cord box in fact was had run out i'd just like to say now it hadn't they did actually have several hundred yet left but they were further down the the rewards program so um i do apologize and i did um, make make good on that one um ah okay rich this was one that you brought up Hi everyone, this is Pete from Eventide, here to give you a quick overview along with some demos of the Octavox plugin, available for the first time in native format. The Octavox Harmonizer is a diatonic pitch shifter consisting of eight independent voices, each with its own delay and feedback line. Octavox can take you from sounds starting like this, to sounds like this. To give you a better understanding of Octavox and what it can do for your music, let's take a brief tour of the Octavox interface and listen to a few more demos. The notation grid gives you an alternate view and method of controlling Octavox individual parameters as they relate to musical notation. Pitch is controlled by moving the voices up and down the treble and bass staffs. And delay is controlled by moving the voices left and right on the measure. I won't show you the whole thing, but th this strikes me as uh, a kind of almost a coarser version because uh, a lot of the classic Eventide harmonizing uh, algorithms are to do with kind of micro tuning and this sort of amazing stereo imaging and that sort of thing. And this is more of a sort of uh, a more flexible, but but broad, a broader kind of pitch based thing. Have you had a chance to check this out? I have a, I have a feeling you've got a bit of a soft spot for Eventide stuff. So hence... Uh, Hence, you may have brought it to our attention. So I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you'll be able to tell us what you think. Well, I haven't actually used it, but watching further into the demo, you see them do all these pitched sort of delay melodic things that are panning around. And um, you can, I believe, do that sh small pitch shift, short delay spreading kind of thing that we're accustomed to with the traditional harmonizer products that have been out for decades. But... Um, the fact that you can take each independent delay, decide how long it's going to be, decide where it's going to appear, decide what pitch it's going to appear at, and how much it's going to feed back and pan it to its own unique spot in the stereo field, that's all pretty cool stuff. 
and uh, you've got eight of them. So yeah, you could just you could just map out a chord in real time like they did in the demo we watched. But there's a whole lot more rhythmically and melodically that you can do with this thing. And uh, I was quite. It's it's not the greatest demo video in the world, but it seems like a really cool product. Do you think that there's uh, applications for section vocals, backing vocals, that kind of thing, the sort of thing that we've seen more traditionally handled by you know the TC Helicon type stuff? Uh, could well be. I can't say that I've used it for that, but why not? And you can specify scales for the for the thing to operate under. You can you know specify your uh, your distances from pitch to pitch. It's it's uh, yeah. Why not? I'd try that. <laughs> so Gaz, I, I mean, you've got some. Tea. I remember when you first came on the show, you were you were would occasionally. Uh, uh, punk us with your uh, TC Helicon voice presets from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. So, yeah, so this is, I mean, this, uh, well, the thing it made me think about, the Eventide one anyway, was this, uh, I, I often show this, don't I, this, uh, the Digitech Time Bender, which is a little bit like that plugin, but it's only got two harmonies that it can generate but but it's got similar similar functionality in a pedal in that you can um you can if you press and you press on the pedal and play in a chord it'll work out what the chord is and then it'll they'll the notes will harmonize to well uh to that i it's quite basic major or a minor so it's not it hasn't got scales, very clever scales in it. But what I find is if you put lots and lots of feedback on it and have very short delay times, uh, but harmonized delay times, uh, and have it with like sort of like a tape echo, it gets, you get these kind of beautiful harmonized sort of smears, really. And I'm imagining with this uh, Eventide being able to, to take that idea even further, you know, and just to, uh, you know, to, to use it in that sort of way rather than like spreading the delays out, getting those sort of really sort of making like a, like a mush, you know, like a nice mush that can harmonize off the notes that you're, that you're playing. I think, uh, and obviously the Eventide stuff always sounds brilliant. So I reckon that this does look cool. So, uh, just uh, inform me now. So this is part. This is now standalone, but was part of the Eventide anthology bundle. Is that is that what's happening? I think better both. Uh, from what I can see, it's not a a, a, a low cost plugin. It's the uh, if you were to go for the uh, Octavox full native version, I believe it's iLock. It's one hundred ninety nine bucks. Um, but you can try a fully functioning 30-day demo if you just to make sure it's the thing that you would might want. Uh, uh, and I guess the anthology. A bundle is going to be a significantly better value than that because I mean you can get a load of uh, classic al uh, Eventide algorithms in that. I mean we've mentioned some of them before. Yeah. I think. I just wondered though if this particular one will become available as an algorithm for the H9. You know, second. Uh, what I've noticed with the H9, mm. some of the newer algorithms uh, when it comes to the iOS app because you can that's got Bluetooth, hasn't it? MIDI Bluetooth that controls. Uh, so you've got the i you've got the iPad app that can control it but some of the newer algorithms they've got their own dedicated controllers on the app so it's not they're actually going away a little bit from the, all the algorithms they, they've modeled it on the the time factor pitch factor pedals but with the newer algorithms they've got sort of just uh you know um new control displays on them uh so uh, this would be fantastic wouldn't it if it was in a pedal and then you had the ipad to control the oh i see what you mean yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, well, just patches, I suppose, because th- that's the thing that tends to, you know, this sort of technology, if you were, like you say, if you were to use it live, which is what the TC Helicon stuff kind of got right. You know, they're the first people really to give that mm-hmm. multi-harmony, intelligent yeah. pitch analysis, all of that kind of stuff and presets in a cost-effective factor that doesn't require a computer to, to uh, operate. I mean, Digitech were doing the vocalist so years ago, weren't they? Which was essentially this. I mean, not the TC one did sound better, I think, but... Um, you know, I remember seeing that way back, what, early 90s was the first? I yeah, no, did I did albums. I did an album's worth of vocals with that thing on <laughs> yeah. uh, David Lee Roth in 1993. Wow. wow. Where we would, I would take alternate lead vocal takes and perform background vocal parts that sang along with the lead quite often based on them. So you could get the sound of different phrasings it was cool it was really it was pretty neat it was glitchy as hell and the funny thing is mm-hmm. we spent all kinds of time and energy trying to eliminate any trace of glitching from this process and yeah. five years later glitching is all the you know the rage and everybody wants to hear that and <laughs> would it would it not know, have yeah. been would it would it have been did it get to the point where you know there's that what would have would it have been uh, equally time consuming just to record the the vocals to do that or would that have been a very different kind of uh Task. You don't get the sound. You don't get ah. that sound. Ah, right. Gotcha. Uh, and I actually did a few gigs with him on which I was basically up there to do electronic background vocals. Wow. Awesome. That's kind of like the, uh, as I, I wow. think her name, Laura Clapp, I think was her name, that she did a lot of the stuff for the TC Helicon. And she, she was out with... Um, Howard Jones, she did like backing vocals essentially as a one singer and she had a little uh, keyboard controller and a TC Helicon voice live. And so she would sing the backing vocals and perform it, which I think I mentioned it at the time. It's probably several years ago now. And I just thought that there's got to be a, you know, that, that's got to be a gig for somebody, you know, somebody who can master that. You would get, you would imagine you'd get quite a lot of work, I suppose, unless well, you know, there is the budget to take the, take the gang on the road, which is, you know, obviously much more fun, I'd imagine. That's what Angie was doing when we did the Carl Hyde tour, though. You know, oh, okay. Carl, was sing- Carl was singing live. Angie was playing along with what he was doing and controlling the, the harmonies off the TC Helicon. So, right. You know, and, and mm-hmm. it was a tricky gig, a tricky gig for her because she was really having to sort of really concentrate intently on what Carl was doing and just to really match his phrasing as much as possible. I mean, it was there was a lot of rehearsal involved. So there was a you know hey he you know there was like a kind of path but he sometimes would veer from it a little yes, bit so I'm she sure. had, you know so she had to really follow it uh while still doing other synth parts with her other hand with her nose cl- yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah very she's an incredible musician she is and that was a really yeah so that was that that was that that job right, there gotcha. and, uh, you know and it's really cool that is a very cool effect when it's working um, yeah you know but it does take quite a lot of skill to do it yeah, no, yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Um, okay. 1994, I was doing this. Nice. <laughs> Fair dues. <laughs> uh, On this, stage. This was nice as well. What do you think of this? This is a lovely, sort of slightly eccentric. To play the instrument that is utilizing our gentle earth, it's like you are becoming one with the instrument in a very true way. You just sit and go, yes. This is kind of bonkers. This is a stalactite organ that's basically hit by little rubber mallets, and they've been sawn off to create the the notes by the looks of things, or selected. In Luray, Virginia. 
when I press a key, it sends an electrical pulse up to a rubber-tipped mallet, which strikes the stalactite, causing it to vibrate and producing a incredibly beautiful musical tone. The area that the strikers cover is roughly three and a half acres. Wow. Which then makes it literally the world. That's mental. I mean, it's really interesting. Uh, we haven't done one of these kind of complete nutters and their uh, unfeasible instruments for a long time. But th- actually, this isn't the guy that did it. This, this, was, this is the Luray Caverns, which are in Virginia. I don't know. I, have you ever been to those, Rich? It sounds like the sort of thing that, in the same way that around here, you go to see Cheddar or Wookiee Hole. You know, you go to see the Luray Caverns. It's one of those boyhood things that one does. Uh, I have been there, and I've actually been there since my boyhood. I've been there more than once. Um it's Western Virginia is gorgeous uh, to begin with, and there are these wonderful caverns of which this is the best known one. And I had heard about the organ, but had never actually heard it performed. It's only performed at certain times, and you can't exactly run up to it and play it. Um, and typically, when you take a tour of Luray Caverns, you're with a group of about 15 to 20 people. So what I would normally do if I wasn't with 15 to 20 people, which is excite these spaces with voice and clapping and whatever I could find to make these spaces speak to me so I could hear them. I can't do that in a group of 15 or 20 people because everybody would think I was nuts. However, the last time I was in Western Pennsylvania, in addition to going to Lure Caverns, we went to another one right in the area called Endless Caverns. And on this particular occasion, It was my wife, myself, and this 15-year-old girl who was our tour guide, period. That was it. And so while I was down there, first I warned the young lady that uh, I might make some loud noises into some spaces and that she shouldn't be alarmed and stuff like that. And then I proceeded to (laughs) shout, clap, sing, do everything I possibly could to excite these amazing spaces I was in to hear what they sounded like. It was it was a wonderful day for me. Everybody, I mean, I'm sure both my wife and the tour guide thought I was absolutely nuts, but I was having a blast. Oh, awesome, awesome! Yeah, that that sort of thing when you get that spot. I mean, I'm guessing those you know those sort of uh, you know one might think oh it'd be a lovely place to play music and stuff, but I guess you got that full range reverb and for something like the organ, I did have some information about it, which is uh, it was actually uh, it's called a lithophone. Uh, and it's uh, got a custom console. Uh, it was actually designed and implemented in 1956 over three years by a chap called, Le- this is a great name, Leyland W. Sprinkle, which is a name <laughs> that does ring a bell. I've got this awful feeling that we might have covered this at the very early Sonic Talk, but I, I, I'll, I'll assume we haven't. And it's uh, near Shen- Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, USA. And it looks, I guess the thing is, it sounds like it's probably quite close. You couldn't hit those things very hard because you wouldn't want them to come down, would you? Because that would be... But that you can see they've been sort of hacked off and tuned. I wonder what the tuning process must be. Because, I mean, imagine sawing a bit off a stalactite while you're up a wobbly ladder and not getting it right first time would be a very tedious process. I don't know. It's kind of like tuning a Wurlitzer electric piano. Yeah, perhaps not quite so dangerous, unless you've got the power on, of course. But Why couldn't work out, though? Was there like an organ playing? All those pitched notes coming from the stalactites, or was it like just... No, I believe so. Right, so they've gone around and tuned... And you think that they've like actually tuned the stalactites and stalagmites specifically... That's what they've done. Yes. Yeah. And they did that in the 50s as well. Yeah, 1956. Uh, so it's over Mr. Such Sprinkle, a big in fact, did it. 
because they were looking for ones that were the closest the closest pitches, I guess, and but they had to go over three and a half acres to find. Yeah. The, is that right? Okay, wow. Yeah, that's a labour of uh, wow. obsession. I would oh, say love, but I it's wanna, a little bit weird of that. When can I go? When is it open? Can I go and listen to it? That sounds amazing. It's probably open all year round. It's yeah. uh, maybe not in the dead of winter. You'd have to check there. I'm sure it's easily found online, but that's a very popular and well known cavern. Uh, in that area of the United States. I'd imagine if it's that busy. Like I mean, because it sounds quiet. I can't it imagine. Is, yeah, it's it's easy to hear. Which, which is why I was so thrilled with that opportunity in the other cavern to just have it be me, my wife, and this tour guide, because then I could actually behave badly and nobody would care. You know, <laughs> behave badly in terms of, you know, common yeah. group-like. You, you, yeah, you yeah, don't want to alarm people by shouting into that hole in the wall right there. But... I oh, you could. You, you, have you ever done that thing? We used to do it on tour bus where you do a one, two, three, and everybody picks a note and you just sing and you create these chords. If you could organize them all, you're going to make sure that they're acquired. You just go one, two, three, and everybody hit, hits a note and you do it a few times. Imagine the the space reacting to that. I bet you get some lovely stuff. Uh, must be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can imagine the guys from, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the uh, impulse response guy? Uh, the Dutch company, which I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, would have been... Oh, Altiverb? Altiverb, yeah. Some impulse responses from there. Apart from the dripping could mm. be a bit intrusive. <laughs> oh, but it's... I'd love to record stuff down there. It really... It sounds amazing in these spaces. It's, the sound is, like, surreal in a very um, literal yeah. way. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, no, I could imagine. Well, it, I, I guess it taps into that thing. I mean, in the same way that all my ambient synth noodling tends to go into at least nine seconds of reverb. It's a sort of, it's my dream gig in many ways. Just take speaker it's, down there and play a few synth notes. Be lovely. It's a day I'll never forget because oh, I knew as I was doing it, I would never get this opportunity ever again. No how. It's just, I don't, how do you get that chance? Yeah, no, I would agree. Right. Um, anyway, this is uh, this is the last video, uh, the last piece we're going to do, and uh, I thought that you might enjoy this, Gaz. Aha. This is Aum, I guess, or Aum, A-U-M, from Chimatic, which is a pretty advanced iOS source and destination and affecting mixer. Kind of audio bussy in the uh, in concept. But looks very easy to root. And now I, I know because I, I came over to see you guys last night, and you had this running on the iPad Pro, and it did look great. Is it? Is there enough grunt in these devices to be able to utilize this sort of technology very well? I mean, what do you make of it? Well, the iPad Pro is. It seems to handle everything that I've been chucking at it. I haven't had it very long, so I haven't really tested it extensively. But uh, this app certainly looks like you would never have considered this a few years ago uh, on an on an older generation of an ipad so it's definitely a, a sign of where we're at with those things and um much has been made of the ipad pro being you know like much more there's four gig of internal ram and the processor is apparently i don't know it's got a similar geek bench score to what a macbook air or something so you know it's certainly capable of running a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of things simultaneously. Real time. So, 
So just to explain a little bit about this thing, then, it's almost like having a, a mixer, you know, that you can put anything into the input channel. So either if you've got an audio interface going into it, like in my case, I'm using the Behringer X-Air. So I've got 18 physical inputs then, so I can route any of those inputs into any apps, really. And it's can, and also built into it are... You know, it's like EQ and dynamics processing as well. So it's like a, it's like having a, um, you know, like fat channels or something for for everything. But those inputs then they could also come from apps inside of that you're running inside of the iPad. So the idea is is that you can have that one place where you're controlling all the levels and, you know, with. Uh, effect sends and various bits and bobs. So it, that's got. A lot of uses. I mean, at the moment, I'm trying to build this setup that, as you saw yesterday, Nick, where I've got the iPad Pro. It's more, it's like a standing up. It's behind me, actually. Let's work out if I can. Whoops. Oh, don't worry. I, I'll take your word for it. It's over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's lots of instruments around it. So having that in the center, um, having that as the touch mixer that you can then feed it through all the, those interesting apps is it's quite an interesting thing so i'm only just exploring the potential of this and literally only got that app yesterday so um but certainly interesting and of course you know ios now supports audio units uh well its version of audio units and that when that becomes more of a standard i think this a product like this uh, is going to make a lot more sense um because you can just insert things. Well, you can insert inter-app audio uh, and audio bus into it. So it's very compatible with all the existing um, iOS standards, which is cool. Uh, and it's also this idea that when you start, it's blank. You add a channel, the channel appears, add another channel. So you can essentially build and save those as presets. Um, uh, so yeah, I I think it's I think it's a very special I think it's a very special app and um, Kymatica they they've got a good track record now they've um, a few years back they brought out an app called Audio Share which has been one of my probably most used apps in a way um, which is essentially just like a librarian but it's also got a, you know simple but nicely implemented editor and uh it's a it's a cool it's a cool little app uh but it's by the same it's by the same guy who made that and he's also made various plugins and he did that sector as well which is a really interesting um yeah it seems like rap. a fairly smart guy i mean th this, this this kind of links into one of the early topics where you know we were looking at um the uh Mercine, which is you know next to nothing whereas this is priced at nineteen bucks, nineteen ninety nine, and I think it might be on sale at half price. So it's a kind of high ticket item, which I think, when you consider probably the amount of work that goes into it, seems like a fairer kind of approach to this sort of thing. I suppose the thing that's quite interesting about this whole area is, you know, we're starting to blur the issue between, you know, whose DSP are you using for this and that, you know, because they all become kind of it's just processor time and interface in many ways. I know, Rich, are you? I, I don't suppose you're kind of uh, about to ditch your, your a real world mixer for uh, for something like this that would be running in software only, but uh, it's got a it, it's got potential. I haven't mixed anything on a hardware board in decades. Why wouldn't I be? I suppose willing so. To ditch. <laughs> I mean, I could. Um, I'm not that 
I did watch the intro video to this thing, but I didn't really feel like I learned a whole lot about what it is and what it does. But it looked like very interesting technology to me, just in general. But I can't speak authoritatively anywhere near like Gaz can on this stuff. Yeah, it's definitely got. Um, I think. I think the thing that I'm starting to see as we, you know, this is why these iOS apps are in this particular episode. It sort of feels like there's this. Mm. It's starting to come together a little bit because you know yeah. we've had these mixers that are just boxes with iPad or Android or software interfaces, and then you've got combinations of the two. You've got this, and it's starting to kind of merge a lot more and become indistinguishable. And it's down to almost interface mm. design and the use of algorithms in many ways. Yeah, and, you know, my experiences I've been having in the last couple of weeks taking uh, the Behringer box and an iPad to rehearsal. Uh, well, it's writing, we're writing the soundtrack for a film. So um, th- th- that situation where I've got a music stand, I've got my bass on, I've got my iPad on a music stand, and I've got like that Behringer box on the floor. Uh, I've said to the other musicians, I've said, you have got to give me cables. You've got to be responsible for getting into the box. So everybody's, when we set up for rehearsal, people come up and go, yeah. And they all plug in. They know what they know what numbers to plug into in the box. Uh, so I'm not having to do all the work. I'm not having to do all the engineering because I want to be a musician. So everybody comes and helps out, all plug into the box. And then... On the music stand, I'm actually running Cubasis to do it. Uh, I'll come, this will tie into the point you make, uh, but I am the tracks really, really simple. And then we're doing writing, come up with an idea, go over it a couple of times, hit record, record it, multi-track, play it back, adjust the mix as we're listening to it out through a big pair of speakers. Uh, go, okay, let's uh, let's go again this time, and this time let's try moving that organ part to the offbeat or whatever it is do it again do 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 listen back to it little kind of and it's such this fluid writing process and honestly the sound quality really blew me away i brought back the recordings and i just thought wow going from that idea to what sounds like really high quality uh <laughs> studio recordings but just instantly in the rehearsal is is phenomenal but without really... without having to take you know the whole kit and caboodle well, along a, i mean it's a it's a real simple kit I, I guess that's what i was meaning you know it, it feels that that has come of age now after it promising this it really feels like it's kind of come of age and um there's a lot there's there's more ways to move the data around now as well than you know, there's still this yeah. annoying data funnel that you have to go through iTunes, or that's certainly, they still have this kind of stranglehold on the data. But now, for instance, Cubasis on the iPad, you can save it to external drives if you've got these kind of wireless drives um, that the iPad can communicate with. So that's pretty cool. So, you know, that side of things. So, well, I mean, in my situation, then, in the rehearsal room, we've got Wi-Fi in the rehearsal room. We do these tunes. I, I I press mix down, and then I save it to Dropbox. Then everybody's got that instantly as well. You know, everyone in the, the band, all, it, it goes to all of this kind of shared Dropbox. And uh, so just in terms of this con- converging of various modern things, it, it feels really great to work that way. And as I say, 
going through this writing process and listening back to things at that quality is the thing that's quite staggering to me. You know, rehearsal room writing, you know, typically you come away with a terrible, bad quality recording just as a as a as a memo. But to be able to have, come away with these multi-track recordings and the setup time being you know, next to nothing is. I suppose the just, thing is, is if you're you know, using the mixer to 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 uh, amplify in the room as well, then essentially you know you're halfway there by the time you hit record and it, you're just good to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got um, you know I've saved a, uh, a a pre you know like a preset now uh, with all the settings. Um, so hmm. yeah, I just I just load it, bang. Everyone plugs into the same sockets. We've only done it over two weeks now, but it's just uh, previously I'd have been running around doing all sorts of stuff. Even just the idea of I'm stood up and I can have an iPad on a music stand. I'm not even having to bend over to operate it. Just reach and just touch it like that. That is is amazing. It just that sounds like a really simple, obvious thing, but. Uh, just in terms of being conducive to being in that musical space and that, you know, the iPad not having that weird depth of file management, the computer world, you, you, you've kind of got this. Simplicity, few, right. And sim- I, li- I, like the, I, I like the idea that you could then just kind of go mix that down. Everybody in the band goes away and they that's, can get that and they've got it straight away. That's an yeah. interesting yeah, notion yeah. that that definitely. Yeah kind of shortens the tether because up to then you would have been in the studio having to kind of like prepare oh, yeah i've just got to do those mixes i've just got to upload them and blah 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 blah. yeah i think that that i can it's, see the merit in that yeah it makes the whole thing a much more pleasurable and speedy you know i don't usually it's always i always feel it's me who has to do all that work you know <laughs> and now i'm still doing the work but it's lightened the load hugely really so yeah so, I mean, this is still my experimental period of life without a laptop, really, and seeing if I can manage with with an iPad instead. Um, so, as I say, the, the the data thing is still a bugbear of mine, but it's definitely uh, going in the right way. So, coming back to this, uh, to, to OM, OM, how would you say it? A-U-M. Om. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, you know... It, Will it stick around long enough to become a standard? It, you know, that's the maybe the problem with these things. It's that to really get the most out of that would involve using it regularly and to really try to integrate it to build a workflow around it. Um, but I think judging by how good AudioShare has been and, and well supported as well, I think that it's probably this is going to be very well supported too. And incidentally as well, this mixer there is a record button and if you record it if you press record it will record whatever you're doing straight into audio share so you know so it's very audio share is, is good because it's been adopted by quite a lot of um other uh apps and pieces of software so it's a good way of getting the access to that audio embedded uh into right you know, gotcha in, uh, and then f- f- finally the uh the thing about um, it also has Ableton Link support, so it can act as a master timer. So whatever apps that you essentially insert into it, you can synchronize it to your Ableton project. And of course, Ableton Link isn't just to work from iPad to Ableton. 
Ableton Link will work from just a single iPad to another iPad. You know, so again, interesting. Right. Well, I think that's probably about time we're going to close the show down. We've uh, been on air for quite some time now. I want to say thank you very much to everybody. Um, and, and, and Gaz, I mean, I, I, just quickly, we, you know, we, we have talked about doing a, maybe a Sonic Tuck special on, on this whole thing, and that's something I really look mm. forward to doing. But uh, mm. I could see it's getting a bit late and I need to get on. But uh, I do thank <laughs> you for your input. Um, Sorry, I'm no, waffling on a bit. No, there. no, it's, it, but it's an in, <laughs> it's, it is an interesting topic. It's about workflow, which is a lot about what we got what we're talking about really so uh, we'll say thank you very much to everybody for joining us thank you for uh the chat room it's been had a very very fulsome chat room this week thank you also and uh, don't forget if you want to enter the isotope competition what you need to do is tweet the hashtag essential audio tools and the hashtag ozone 7 to at sonic state and at isotope inc for your chance to win a copy of ozone 7 the mastering essential audio mastering tools you could say so um rich thank you very much for joining us this week i'm glad uh, you're back on on terra firma and uh back for a little while now i guess that is this a quiet time of year for gigging or is it uh just crazy as ever well it's in past years we've been quite busy one year uh i don't know three years ago i was in germany at this point um this year this next few weeks will be mostly at home and we will begin our touring opening for duran duran in april in ah. the u.s all oh, right okay that's going to be fun. How many dates? Jeez, uh, probably between 30 and 35 across April and July. Wow. Okay. That's going to be fun. A lot of them. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Well, Rich, thank you and, very uh, much for joining us. Though. It's always a pleasure to have your input. And thank you indeed. Uh, I hope you have a, you. a fruitful rest of your week and uh, what have you. And also, Gaz Williams over there in uh, his uh, mobile studios kind of thing. Thank you very much for joining us too, Gaz. Look forward to seeing you in person over here um, for some reviews and, uh, of course, for the gig as well. Thank you. Mm. Thanks so much. Yeah, great. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks to everybody in the chat room, and uh, we shall see you next time.